thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. It's Thursday night, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives, recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis presented by Belly Up Sports. That's right, Adam. We've got a new podcast network that we've joined. They're not new. They've been around for a while. Well, thanks a lot, Graham. I'm sick of the narratives, Waldrop. I really appreciate the intro, and as always, it's a pleasure to see your smiling face. Always, yes. So that's Back exciting news, Graham. It, it is. It's official, huh? It is official. Businessman we, John Galvin signed the papers and everything? Yeah, yeah. got the paperwork over to us. We, we signed it. We're really uh, thankful to uh, Blaine and Mike for taking us on. I uh, really appreciate it. It's a great podcast network. Um, I heard about these guys. They, they, they have the uh, two, two Drunk Brothers in a Podcast uh, show that I, I really like. Um, so I was like, who, who, who hosts this? They're like, like, what are they part of a network or something? I look into Billy Up Sports. They're really cool. I uh, look them up. They got articles, po- lots of podcasts um, on on pretty much any sport you can think of. Um, so definitely check them out. We're really really happy to be a part of the Billy Up family. You know, just like the Falcons, mm-hmm. we kind of signed unexpectedly. You right. know, a couple weeks before the combine. Yes. So. You know, we were just following their lead. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of news going on in Atlanta sports. Which was normally a dead period, right? Um, a lot, a lot has happened in the last week. We lost Trey Young for probably the rest of the year, like a broken pinky. And Okongu's out. And Okongu's out for indefinitely. So that's a big blow for the Hawks. Um, we got lots of things coming out of the combine so far. The Falcons have talked to. Uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels. And apparently, and I guess this is where we'll start, Zach Klein of WSB-TV, local Atlanta news station around these parts, has come out and said to Dukes and Bell today on the radio that Arthur Blank wants Kirk Cousins, no matter what. Do whatever you have to do. doesn't matter what you have to pay. The quote is supposedly get it done. Now, Arthur Blank has not come out and said this. This is Zach Klein putting his feelers out there finding this information out. So I guess take it a little bit with a grain of salt, but Zach Klein's a credible guy. It's not like Adam or I just coming up with a story and saying, we know this, and we don't know shit. Zach Klein is a guy in the nose, the director of sports at WSB-TV. So, uh, and he's at the Combine right now. So. I will say, I mean, you know my general take. Rumors are bullshit. Any rumors. But Zach Klein is one of the guys that generally is a little more in touch than at least any of the national guys. Right. And this doesn't mean we've signed Kirk But Cousins. also, literally yesterday at this time, I saw the article, uh, Justin Fields to Falcons rumors right. heating up, and there's videos of like Justin Fields getting all excited, and someone saying you're going home, and so like that was the thing yesterday, and then today the headlines the exact same thing, but insert Kirk Cousins. So well, yeah, but no one was really saying anything. Like this has a little more credibility. It's like this is somebody someone saying said it. it this is what Zach Klein is saying. Arthur Blank has said has instructed the front office to do, and we know well that be, Arthur Blank has done this in the past. Like when he pursued Deshaun Watson. To be clear, he said he is is basically telling him. So his action it's, it's not like he has given them a directive. It sounds like it. he said get it done according to Zach Klein. Like he, that's the quote. He said he is basically telling them get it done. Okay. 
So either way, it seems like that is the flavor of the day. If it if it happens, we don't know as of this recording of uh, was it February 29th when we're recording this episode. However, you know, it came out yesterday that Kirk Cousins seems to want to go back to Minnesota. That uh, and Minnesota wants him to come back. They're having very fruitful discussions, according to their general manager and, and team owner. So who knows what's going to happen there? But if the if the Vikings think he's going to take a hometown discount, and then the Falcons come up with some absurd offer, and we have a lot of cap space, I think we have like thirty million cap space this year, or maybe more. I mean, he just freed up six million by cutting Johnny Smith this week. I'm sure he's going to go to the Steelers and join Arthur Smith again. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying we're freeing up cap space. We're, we're you know that was like the first. Kind of like I wouldn't say it's a huge move, but it's the first like uh, you know noteworthy move I would say in the Raheem Morris era, where it's kind of shaping up like okay the Falcons are trying to get more cap space. So what are they doing? Something's something's brewing up in Flowery Branch. I mean, look, I I think I'm kind of doubling down on my take from last week about Justin Fields, where I'm very very skeptical that he is the guy, mm-hmm. and Mike Bell was kind of. Echoing me, of course. I'm, I'm sure he heard my take last week. Yeah, I'm sure. And he sounded pretty similar. He's like, you look at a lot of these other quarterbacks that you know haven't made it by year two or three. They're generally not going to make it. So like, but I'm, just because we've seen Justin Fields have some really good games, specifically against us, we've also seen Desmond Ritter have some really good games. And like, if you just look at one or two games, yeah, but the, the talent could be great. There. Tell us not there for Ritter where it is for Fields. But like, the decision-making's not there for I disagree. Fields. I think if you look at the last 20 games, Fields is, uh, has a 62% completion rating, which isn't great, but he's thrown for 26 touchdowns of 14 interceptions. He's rushed for like 1,700 yards. Those numbers are very similar, or maybe 1,300, somewhere in that range. And uh, those numbers are very similar with like 10 rushing touchdowns. Those numbers are very similar to what Lamar Jackson's done in the last 20 games. I'm just saying, like, his numbers. What, what I saw this year from Justin Fields is a million times better than um, what I saw in prior years. And a lot of that has to do with he was he went into a shit situation with a bad offensive line the first two years, horrible coordinators, no receivers. This year, he still started out kind of the same, but then once he came back from injury, DJ Moore and Cole Komet woke up, and he had command over that offense, and they won games against good teams. And they beat the shit out of us. So I'm interested in him. I'm not saying, like, I want him over everybody, but I'm very interested in him based off what I saw. It's a little bit of a small sample size, but you get him in the right situation with the right coordinator, which we think uh, Zach Robinson is, and you get him with Drake London, and hopefully Pitts is healthy. And Bijan, things could happen, man. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I saw it earlier, but that's just how we do things on Atlanta's own. So I'm just going to go with what I remember seeing. Yeah, of course. And his stat line for last year was exactly the same as Marcus Mariota's stat line in Atlanta. Like, all the numbers were, like, boom, right there. Very similar. You're talking about, like, the entire year yeah. last year. Correct. Okay. So, I don't know. That's scary. But Kirk Cousins is obviously a completely different situation. He is. And he, let's, let's say, you know, he got injured in, like, what, week seven or eight? Yeah. And at that point, he had thrown like 18 touchdowns and like three picks or something. Yeah, like was, he was having an outstanding top five season. Quarter, top five quarterback. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, Achilles injury, you know, those are very hard to come back from. He should be ready to go starting next season. He's also like 35, 36 years old. I think he's 37, he's, isn't he? I'm not sure. 
And we're not going to look it up because that's just the way we do things here in Atlanta. He's at least 35. So you're you're getting. I don't think he's 37. But either way, if you're going to go after Kirk Cousins, he's going to want a five year deal because think about it. That's just the way the NFL is today. Quarterbacks play into their late 30s, into some some into their 40s. You know, we saw what Brady did. Obviously, he was an anomaly. Aaron Rodgers is 40. Kirk Cousins is in that. It's not like he's won a Super Bowl or had like a, a bunch of playoff success. But he's a very he's he like you said last year he's probably top five, and he's going to want a big ass deal if he's going to leave Minnesota. And you just got to think about the ramifications of that, given you have a team that a lot of people say can win now. I'm not as convinced, but you have a team that can at least compete, right? You have a team that at least compete, and you're going to pretty much bank on winning a Super Bowl with a guy who's coming back from a ruptured Achilles and is 35 years old. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be upset, but I'd also question this front office again like I have over and over again because this is like the deepest – I don't know, it's like one of the deepest quarterback classes I've seen in some time, especially those top three. Like, I would move heaven and earth to get one of those top three, particularly, uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jaden Daniels, so I like him. But I just, I just would, I would prefer to get the guy that's going to grow with you and be your franchise quarterback for the next, hopefully, 10 plus years, as opposed to getting a mercenary for hire um, who's a very good quarterback, but he's also coming off, or, off a ruptured Achilles. Yeah, there's no perfect answer. Uh, especially like sitting at eight, but you know, desperate teams make desperate moves, and we have a, a desperate eighty-one-year-old owner, and that's certainly the situation we're in right now. And you, you, you look everywhere like some of the huge mistakes you got, like Denver trading for freaking Russell Wilson, you right? Got Cleveland trading for Deshaun Watson. It's such a, I'm so only, glad we only because they were more desperate than we were, right? So. That's what's scary is like none of these scenarios are perfect sitting where we're at. Like I think any of the quarterbacks available at eight are not going to be those three guys Probably. that you mentioned. No, so but like, you could move up. To move up, that's going to you know cost a lot of assets in order to do that. Right. So that's the beauty of it's like, well, say on theory, say we do have a team that could win within the next three years. All we're missing as a quarterback, if we can just spend money – on a quarterback. I don't think that's all you're missing, but that's the biggest piece you're missing. And keep all your draft pieces, so you know, continue to build through the draft. That's right. it's decent. Yeah. But I mean, if you can get Justin Fields for a second round draft pick and he I mean that's ideal if if he can be the guy. I just have my reservations with him as sure. well. Sure. So that's understandable. Either way, I mean, you got reservations anywhere you look. Yeah, the Achilles thing is terrifying. Look at Mike Soroka. Atlanta and Achilles <laughs> do go not together. go together well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, can you, I mean, that would be tr- so true to Atlanta. We signed him to five year. What's that quarterback contract nowadays? $350 million? I don't know what it would be, but like, I think Fields, you know, this would go, be going into his fourth year. And then you have his fifth year option after that, so you're going to have to extend him probably for two fifty. Kirk, if he gets two fifty, Kirk's going to win at least three. Because wasn't freaking um, what's the kid in Arizona, Kyler Murray? Didn't yeah. he get like a three hundred million dollars? Something like that. Something yeah. insane. So that now that's the base, and and he's you know we got Mahomes as the base. Oh yeah, well he got he, that super deal. He doesn't count. No, he's he's on another planet. There's a base if you haven't won a Super Bowl, right? And there's a base if you won yeah. two at the time, no three. Um, right. So, so I don't know. It's just like every day you hear, like, like you were saying yesterday, it was it was Justin Fields, it was Terry Fontenot talking to Chicago. You know, we heard some people say that no, no one that we really know of that uh, like like a Zach Klein, but 
it's all over the place. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it's just the one thing that I do like about this offseason is there's so many questions to answer. You know, we went through the whole thing when the Matt Ryan era where it was like, okay, Mike Smith's fired. What are we going to do? Dan Quinn, okay. Now Arthur Smith. And then it's like, now that we lost Matt Ryan and now that Arthur Smith's out, it's like we've had to answer two huge questions this offseason, head coach and quarterback. And now we've got the head coach that I think we feel pretty decent about overall. And now it comes down to the quarterback. And something that Raheem Morris said when he was at the combine before he left uh, the other day was that, you know, if the quarterback situation was solved, I'd probably, I'd probably not stand in here. Like if they had figured it out, I wouldn't be here. I mean, he, he's pretty much said that. Mm-hmm. And that was very telling. I mean, we all know that, but the fact that he said that just says more about how genuine Raheem is. I, I did think it was kind of cool that he, you know, he wasn't there the whole time at all. Like, right. you know, Arthur Smith was there the entire time looking right. over Fontenot's back. Yeah, and so. that's something that Sean McVay does in L.A., and I think that Raheem probably learned that. It's like you go for a little bit, then let your scouts scout. Kind yeah, of deal. exactly. So we'll we'll see, man. I, I, do, I do know that, like, you know, in that Fields article, they were saying, like, this is something that I could see as truth where, you know, last year the Bears were in the same situation with the number one pick, and they made the trade back. Mm-hmm. And that happened, like, the Friday before free agency starts, which I think is next Friday. Yeah. So something right. could happen within the next week legitimately. Yeah, and these deals... At least, at least with... It's not, not necessarily Fields coming here, but right. going somewhere, that's going to, you know, lead to a lot of answers for us there could be something in place as soon as tomorrow you just might not hear about it until next week or week after or something like that's i mean these teams are all dealing with each other yeah even though the, the official league year hasn't started um you know that's just the way it, the way it is so we're gonna know pretty you know we're gonna know pretty soon um i would be surprised though if fields and cousins do not come here or one of them doesn't come here or both, what i'm trying to say is that both of them don't come here then what do you do? Do they do they get desperate and move up to three or two or whatever to try and take uh, you know one of those three big three quarterbacks? And then also, is there a trade partner out there that would do that? Will the Patriots do that? Will the Commanders do that? The Bears sure as hell ain't going to give up number one. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they fleeced Carolina last year to get that pick, and they're not going to give it up. So are the Commanders willing to trade? I don't think so. They need a franchise quarterback. Are the Patriots willing to trade? Maybe. But it's a big maybe. So I, I kind of get why, to a degree, that Arthur Blank is like, go get Kirk Cousins. That's, that's probably our best chance given our draft position and probably the lack of willingness for the potential trade partners to want to trade with us. Makes sense. Yeah. Maybe maybe he signs a three-year deal. That's a little less scary than five. But right. Depends on what the market is. He might. They might set the market, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Because everybody knows we need a quarterback. Like, it's not a secret. It's not something we're keeping close to our chest. I mean, they said it in the press conferences. You know, Arthur Blank and Rich McKay said it. Then when Raheem got hired, Raheem and Terry both said it. And they're saying it again at the Combine. So it's like everybody knows we are very desperate for a quarterback. What do you think about this? We trade for fields. Okay. Uh, Highest is giving up a second-round pick this year. Mm-hmm. Nothing, No first-round picks this year or next year. We keep number eight. And at eight, we draft either the kid from Michigan. J.J. McCarthy. Or uh, Penix. Okay. And then we've got one year 
to see what Fields is and develop McCarthy or Penix under him, right? And then you either have a trade asset in a young, controllable quarterback or you have got your next quarterback. Yeah. That's interesting, too, because there would sort of be this two-year window to make that happen before you have to decide on anything with fields. And they're battling each other. Right, they're pushing each other. It's an interesting idea. It sort of chips all in on, on the quarterback position overall. The only thing... Well, there's many things. Well, one, I don't like McCarthy. And two, I'm worried about Penix's injury history. But I kind of like where your head's at. At the same time, I really want to take a defensive end at eight. I think I, it, I really want Dallas Turner or someone like that. It makes more sense to do that, but get a quarterback in like the third round. Uh, again, well, we've done that before. Well, the, you know, third round and later quarterbacks do develop, so they, they, they can. There's more people you like. Yeah, I mean, Ritter was a third round pick, so you know that turned out. I still think he could develop. Okay, <laughs> I don't at this point, uh, especially after our conversation with him. If you guys haven't heard that, especially new new uh, listeners, go back a couple of weeks to listen to our, our interview with Desmond Ritter. It's pretty uh, pretty exciting and interesting, I would say. Really eye opening stuff. Poor Des. Like they're even talking. They're they talked about him a couple times in the media this week. Just be like, no, we're still we're keeping Des in the loop. Like we're yeah. excited to work with him. Are you really going to work with him? I uh, probably not. Maybe backup. I wonder one thing though about the backup quarterback position. You have Heineke under contract. You have Ritter under contract. I think you would save more, or you get more money to the cap if you cut Heineke now. Yeah, for sure. So do you think Heineke's gone? I would think so. Mm. Although he is the better, I mean, it depends, right? Yeah. If we get if we draft a rookie, you want Heineke as the backup, right? A veteran to learn from. But if we get Kirk Cousins, get rid of Heineke and have Ritter back him up. That's scary, man. We're one one re-injuring Achilles, re-injured Achilles away from Desmond Ritter potentially stepping back in if if it's Cousins. Hell yeah, Ritter. yeah. That's scary shit. Um. Another funny thing that happened this week with the Falcons, or just overall the NFL, the NFL Players Association released all their grades for everything, like uh, coaches, training facilities, strength and conditioning coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Arthur Smith got like a C-plus, I think, overall in his review, which I think was third worst in the entire league. And it wasn't just people that were a part of the Falcons. This was like a league-wide thing, so everybody's voting on everybody. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was very telling that he got a C plus. What were there like different categories? Or? No, just like overall, like your opinion of this coach from top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, personality, uh, scheme, et cetera, et cetera. C plus. I think the only other people that were worse were Ron Rivera and Josh McDaniel. Ouch. Yeah. Poor Arthur. I have no sympathy for the guy. That's why. He's, and you know what? I bet like, cause he was such a prick all the time in press conferences and stuff. I'm sure he was the same way to same way to the players. I don't know. We've rehashed that a million times. We have. But he's in Pittsburgh. He's not our problem anymore. No, he's not. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. There's just like one final twist of the knife to, to Arthur's time here in Atlanta. It does feel like the era has ended like pretty suddenly. Do we need more time to mourn? No, I don't need time to mourn. I, I, I have enough time being pissed off at the guy for running jet sweeps to the now departed Johnny Smith at the goal line. How, how many games do you give Raheem until you're like limited at him? If, if if we start off 0-3, are you done? I'm not done necessarily. It's just it's like context is king. It's like the, the Falcons lost so many games last year where, where they had it and they just gave it away, which we've done our entire franchise, but it was just so infuriating the way we're doing it now or just putting Ritter in all these bad situations to throw the ball when you didn't need to. Um, 
So if we're doing stuff like that and we're putting our players in bad positions and we're losing games because of that, then I'm going to be pissed off. If it's a thing where it's like it's a close game and we lost on a last second field goal, so be it. You know, it's just sometimes you just that get was really all of our unlucky. games though. But they were like, think about the Commanders game. Ritter throws four picks and throws a red zone interception and loses the game. The Panthers game away, where you know we could just run the ball and kick a field goal. Last and minute throw field a pick. goal, we lost on. But we threw he threw a pick that led to that. It's I just know. like what leads yeah. to last second field okay. goal. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's like those led to you know you losing the game, regardless of how you lost the game. That, that you were the inciting incident. Sure. I do not want to be the inciting incident to losses. I want to say we both played. It was a good game. We lost. So be it. So it just depends on how Raheem loses games in terms of my sort of uh, factor of evaluating him as a coach. Yeah. Not the only thing. But that's that's a big thing. That's one of the big reasons why I was so anti-Arthur Smith last year, just the way we lost. Yeah, it's funny. Like, the grace period that you give a coach, like, you start off all optimistic, but it it'll turn at some point. Yeah, I mean, I remember Dan Quinn started 5-0 five, five his first year, and then we wound up. Uh, eight and eight. You know, we thought we were going to play playoffs. I forgot about that. That's brutal. Yeah, it was like holy shit. We look great. And then you know the the next year, I think we started like one and two. I remember we were at Corner Tavern watching the Tampa Bay game. We looked like dog shit, and I was like, this is going to be another terrible year. And then we wind up going to the Super Bowl, and we know what happened after that. But it was you know it's just so weird how like early in the season things can seem off. Like the Chiefs seemed pretty off last year. Then they just hit their stride in the playoffs and kicked everyone's ass. Yeah. We just never hit our stride. No, we never hit our stride. We're never that hot team. No. <sighs> That's sort of the uh, the flow of the show if you're new to it. It's it's kind of like we talk about things and we realize how screwed Atlanta is for the most part in terms of at least our, our football and basketball team. Yeah, we kind of just... The Braves are, you know, we're usually pretty pretty positive about them. I'm kind of hard on them just because I expect more in the postseason. But uh, overall, that's, that's like our bastion, our, our savior is the Atlanta Braves keeps us sane as sports fans i would say well you know and uh, what if this year they suck though uh, that would be horrible because <laughs> the hawks aren't very good the falcons are a big question mark so if the braves suck if it blows up where it's like sale goes down to injury free goes down to injury morton goes down to injury i'm gonna sit here and say i told you so to alex anthopolis but hopefully that doesn't happen all right let's talk braves then since since he started it there talk braves okay Actually, before we talk Braves, Adam, oh. let's take a quick break and hear a word from our new sponsor. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, everyone. It's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, Adam, we're back. What are you drinking today, young man? Uh, Sweetwater IPA, Grant. Oh, very good. What about you? Drinking some Coquito (laughs) out of season. It's a fantastic Puerto Rican drink introduced uh, to me by... Your wife, my friend, Veronica. Yes, yes. And she uh, she mixed it up during the uh, championship weekend, AFC championship, NFC championship, and it stayed good. And it's a rum-based drink, as you know, and it is fantastic. It's hitting the spot right now yeah, it's on a, a very cold day. It's a great, it's a heavy drink. It's great for a cold day. Yeah, it's a staple of the Puerto Rican culture and the Graham culture. Yes. I'm like, I'm always, I think about it at least 
You just look so happy. I am. Just I, talking I, about I it. I love it. It's so damn tasty. You ever try, I mean, and it's not too sweet either. You can't order that at a bar, right? I think you can if you go to the right place, but I don't know of a place that serves it. There's like a couple Maybe I'll go spots. To, yeah. Oh, please continue. I, I, I don't have any on the top of my uh, head, but I know right. they exist in sure. the city. Yeah. Uh, I know there was a place that was more of just like a food truck, mm-hmm. so I doubt they would have Coquito, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, it's so good. If you want to make it, look it up. It's very easy. Just get a lot of white rum. And remember the Coco Leche. Yeah. Es muy importante. It is very muy importante. Adam, Adam made a batch uh, near the holidays, which is when you normally have it, and he jacked that up, and it did not taste very well. Very well. Very good. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was so crucial. Yeah. And so I was like, we got to have redemption. Yeah. And we did. Here we go. Here we go. And like we got redemption on Coquito, the Braves are looking for redemption. Heading into the 2024 season, and they're off to a very good start in spring training. Michael Harris is hitting home runs like there's no tomorrow. Chris Sale looked great in his first start. Two innings. Um, I think four Ks, I four think. Four Ks. I think he threw 16 strikes to Throwing like seven balls or something. 96, 97. 96, 97. Strider's, yeah. Strider's looking good with the curveball. Everything's going according to plan. No one's injured yet. So, liking what we're seeing in spring training, it's obviously very easy to overreact to spring training, but I think, you know, when you're looking at guys like Chris Sale, um, someone who has been very injury-prone the last four or five years, and who you're putting a lot of faith into, honestly. You brought him here, and then you extended him two more years. He needs to show up and be the Chris Sale that we know he can still be. And even though it's just a spring training start, and everybody's getting their feet under them, it was very encouraging, encouraging to see the velocity and see the efficiency in his first start in spring training. So the Chris Sale trade, that was Grissom. Was the, yeah, Von Grissom. Was, was it just straight up? It was straight up. Yeah. I don't think there's any draft picks or anything. I've already started doing that. I'm following box scores for the Red Sox uh-huh. to see what Grissom's doing. I'm checking out the White Sox to see if Soroka's doing anything. The whole – any Braves cast off is pretty much on the White Sox. Yeah, Jesse Chavez yeah. is over there. Right. But um, – no, it's great. I mean, we're what a weekend to spring training at this point. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that that was a huge, huge, huge sign to see him come out looking so strong. And I know he, you know, it's got to be such a relief for him to get that that first one over with. But yeah, dude, if he's if he's an ace, like, are you kidding me? Like, I yeah. mean, we're, we're bringing him in to be our three, right, four maybe. But if, if he, he if he pitches like an ace, that's going to mean the world. And if Freed is healthy, and you got, if you got Strider, Sale, and Freed in some order. And that's what you're going into the postseason with, and they're all pitching to the, the the peak of their powers. That is a terrifying rotation, and you gotta love Sale, particularly the big lefty power arm coming in against Bryce Harper, because you know we're going to see those assholes again. Saw them yesterday. Tied them seven yeah. seven. There were so many games this year, or not this year, but last year with the Phillies, where in the regular season. It's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you never felt comfortable ever with those guys. Even though we won the season series, it was always very back and forth. And I was nervous going into it, and the nervousness was justified. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely our arch nemesis going into this year. You look at, you know, the Mets are kind of resetting a little bit. So they're, you know, they traded off all their big names. They're not they're a factor. Probably I mean, not. Yeah. Um, Marlins, I'm not going to be scared of them for a while until they... They prove it. Right. And the Nationals are in a perpetual rebuild, it seems. Yeah. It's so down to us and Philly. It's got to be us and the Phillies, yeah. right? Unless the Mets come out of nowhere. I mean, stranger things have happened. Sure. So. 
But yeah, I agree. It's 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 us versus Philly again for the division and beyond. So I still think it was very fluky that they lost to Arizona. I'm really glad they lost to Arizona, but you know they looked primed to to go to the World Series again, and I'm glad they didn't. But yeah, I've never hate watched a series like that one, man. Like, oh, me too. I, I watched one of the games with uh, <laughs> Philly John at at uh, about to say at Barstool at Brewhouse, and I walked in, and the first thing I said was. Go D-backs and goes, fuck you, Graham. Like, like I was just messing around, but he was just so, you know, how serious he takes his Philly yeah. sports yeah. and sports in general. And, I mean, you you were, you were made it pretty clear after the Braves series that you hate the Phillies with a passion. So Yeah, and I'm glad that the rivalry's back. I'm, I'm not happy with the outcome, but I'm glad the rivalry's back. And I go as far to say it's not a rivalry. It's very one-sided right now when it actually comes down to games that matter. They are our daddy. That's two years in a row. That's It sucks. It sucks. And you lost in the same way. Shitty pitching, bad pitching depth, no offense. And that's one of the reasons that Anthopolis went out and got Chris Sale, power pitcher, left-hander. One of the reasons he went and got so many guys that are flamethrowers in the bullpen. You know, it's, it's like people we didn't have the last couple of years. Tyron Matzik's also back, which I'm really excited about. I hope he comes back and is the beast we all know he can be. Um, even, but even if he doesn't, they should still build a statue to him outside Truist Park. That was the greatest inning of baseball ever pitched that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's had a couple spring training appearances so far. Seems to be fine. Looks strong. I, I saw, you know, I, I like I like looking at the guys on the fringe of the roster. You know, that's especially for a team as established as the Braves are right now, like that's where our battles are, on right. the fringe. And Ken Giles, who was the guy that we signed maybe a month ago, that we, we've we talked about once or twice on the show. He's the ex-Houston Astros stud closer, pitched for the Phillies for a long time. Yeah, Blue Jays, too. Blue Jays, yeah. coming back from injury for a few years now. And um, he had his first appearance yesterday, one inning pitched, three Ks, no runs. Obviously, it's spring training, but shoot, he's another guy. If he's throwing 96-97 again, it's going to be tough to keep him out of your bullpen, despite how stacked it is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's really good news. and But all these things can change. I remember last year we were freaking out about Schuster, Jared Schuster and, and Dodd. They're having the best springs of anybody. And it's like, well, we've got to put them in the rotation. And they're going to – maybe they'll be big factors in the season. They And they they did make some starts. They ate up some innings, especially when uh, Kyle Wright and Max Freed went down. But they were not, you know, factors overall in terms of how the season played out. At the end of the day, spring – Stats do not matter. You're no. right, Graham, but it's still it's still encouraging, it's still promising. It's encouraging, especially sure. with guys like Giles, who's fighting for a spot. A guy like Chris Sale, who has a lot to prove. It's good to see these early results. Who out of like the regular guys, like the the pitchers we've seen last year, mm-hmm. any of like the top eight regulars that we have, like what are you hoping to see improvement out of any of those guys? Uh, I want to see Spencer Strider take it to another level. I really want to see more from that breaking pitch. I want to see him. And this is a guy who's hard on himself, who's apparently the most analytical son of a bitch in the world. And really want, like, he's the one who came into spring training saying, like, it's unacceptable if we don't win the World Series this year, which I loved. I want to see him go to another level. I do not think he's a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. I want to see if he can mix his pitches a little better between the, the fastball slider change up and now the new curveball. I really want to see him work on that pitch. That's really important. I want to see Freed just go out there and do his thing. I don't need him to do anything where he's vastly improved because I think he's he is who he is at this point. But I want to see him healthy. 
I want to see good movement on his pitches. Those are the two guys I'm watching, even though they're like they're they're not our most proven rotation pieces. Obviously, like Charlie Morton's been in the league for a million years. Chris Sale's been in the league for a while. But those are the two guys that I put my hopes on for this regular season in terms of the rotation. I want to see them, like I said, Strider continue to develop that 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 uh, curveball and mix your pitches better. And I want to see Free just do his thing and be healthy. I'm going to go on the other side of the field, Graham. Matt Olson. Okay. Amazing offensively last year, right? Yeah, you know, 50, what, 55 home runs or something? I was going to say in the 40s, but you're right. He was in the 50s. Just a ridiculous amount of home runs, yeah. ridiculous amount of RBIs. Insane on base plus slugging percentage. He was great. Defense could improve. Yeah. Like he was kind of touted as like, you know, a gold glover when he came over here, and he's been far from that. So yeah. I think that's an area that he could improve. Sure. That would certainly help us a lot. A lot of – the weirdest thing about Olsen is like the drop balls on just assists – like someone throwing from short to first or second to first, it's like he's he's had multiple drops over the last couple of years where you're like, that just doesn't happen yeah. for a major league first baseman. I, I want to see... So, Matteo, tighten it up. On the D. On yeah. the D. Uh, Ozzy, let's finally cut these strikeouts out. You know, let's and walk a little bit more. Walk a little bit more. Yeah, that'd let's, be nice. Let's, like, like your boy Ronnie's been doing the last couple of years. Especially last year. Where he's completely changed his offensive game and yeah. stopped striking out. Ozzy, it's your turn. And Ozzy has the – I think, you know, it's just the crazy thing about the, the majority of these Braves players is they're all in their, like, mid-20s. Yeah. They are not done They're still developing. Better. Like, that, Acuna could be even better this year. That's Ozzie a great point, could easily be better. Yes. Riley, Olsen, like, all these guys. So there's small steps that we could see these guys take. Like, we've yeah. seen that progression in Acuna. It's time to see that in Ozzy. Yeah. And uh, Sean Murphy, if he can be the Sean Murphy that he was the first two months of the season, oh my God. let's give him 75% of the starts at catcher. That, yeah. And it, like, let's see him take that next step as well. Like, he, there's, especially from an offensive There's standpoint. no eyes on him offensively. Like, it, yeah. he's kind of like uh, Kalanick. <laughs> Jared Kalenic. Jared Kalenic. Yes. He made a really nice catch the other like, day. Like, not a lot of pressure on you with these other guys around you. So, like, no one's watching you, Sean. Don't worry. Like, we love your defense. But if he could be a legit cleanup hitter consistently. Or just a five. Yeah. Whatever, wherever he bats. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, if he... Throw Ozuna at four. For, like, that guy loves Ozuna that. Ozuna should stay at four until he proves that He loves it. I mean, Ozuna hit 40 home runs last year. He had a great year. Like, Ozuna should be four until... He screws up until he like falls on his face like he did, you know, in 2021 and 2022. Right. Uh, Murphy, I agree. I mean, you look at his stats after the All Star game; he was hitting like a buck seventy five like the last three months of the season. I think he was hurt, wasn't he? He must if he was been. hurt, nothing came out. But he was like ghost offensively. He was awful, and Darno was awful offensively the second half of the year. It's something that no one talked about, you know, when you had Olsen doing his thing with Zuna. Uh, Riley, Acuna, you know, it was it was lost on us once Sean Murphy started to decline. It was just kind of like no one really t- we talked about it, but a lot of other people really didn't talk about it. No one listens to us. No one listens to us. Um, but I'm just saying, it's like it was so frustrating because like once it got to playoff time, automatic out. I mean, he was an automatic out like the rest of that season, but particularly in the playoffs, that was glaring. Whereas like every time Sean Murphy came up, I mean, he only I think he only played like. I think he only played he played two games and Darno played two games because he was so bad offensively. Yeah. And you can't 
once you get to the playoffs, you got to have your guy at catcher. You can't have just someone who's an albatross back there uh, offensively. I mean, you can, but it was just because he did so well in the first half of the season. I was so disappointed to see how his season concluded. So we're looking for consistency. We're looking there. for consistency offensively so from, from like, Murphy. the best offense in baseball, we can still improve. Yes, and I think that's something we can't lose sight of and the Braves can't lose sight of. It's like, no matter how good you are, you can always be better, and you really can't say anything until you win the championship again. You really can't. You really can't say, oh, we hit the zenith. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, don't just rest on your laurels. Is that a phrase? And that's something that I'm really looking... Here's the biggest thing that needs to happen, Adam. Maybe not in spring training, but just overall, and something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Killer mentality going into the playoffs. I think the, the, the tone has been set in spring training by saying it's World Series or bust. Multiple guys are coming out there saying that. We need to hold, we need to be, you know, hold ourselves accountable as a team. That that is the goal. And all this regular season shit is nice, but it doesn't matter if you lose in the division series. I mean, I remember throughout the whole year last year, we were compared to that Minnesota Twins team that hit 307 home runs. But you know what happened to them? They lost in the first round. No one gives a shit about them. Mm-hmm. The true legends, the true you know, the people that you remember win championships, and this team is too good not to do it again. <laughs> I'd love to – I'm picturing you after Strider gave a similar speech at his press conference. It's like, I don't know if you would, like, go before Strider or after Strider, <laughs> but Spencer gives his speech, and then you – all right, now, now here's, what, here's what I think we got to do, Here's the problem. Uh, mine would probably just be a regurgitation. I'm probably regurgitating a lot of shit he said. Yeah. You know? Who knows? Because Spencer gets it. He gets it. He actually goes out there and you plays. You get it, Graham, and I'm, Spencer gets yeah, it. Yeah. Him and his massive quads get it a hell of a lot more than I do. I can just speak to it as a fan, the frustration I felt. Uh, and, and the thing I love seeing and hearing from this team is just, like, no more of this aw shucks mentality if it doesn't go your way in the playoffs. Take some responsibility, say it's unacceptable, and we got to do better. And I'd love seeing that because the whole thing in the last 25 years of this franchise has been, ah, the playoffs are a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen. But we've had too many op- too many times where we just lose in the first round, and we lose looking like dog shit when we look so good the whole year. I'm so tired of that. And it's the reason why, you know, everyone said the Braves were the team in the 90s. They really weren't. We won one World Series, won four National League titles, which is great, but you couldn't close the door. We had three Hall of Famers as your top three starting rotation, and a future Hall of and, and, a, and a, your third baseman was a Hall of Famer. Your center fielder, Andrew Jones, should be a Hall of Famer. It's like you had so many great players, even beyond the Hall of Fame players, and you couldn't get it done more than once. It's, it's just infuriating. So the Yankees were the team in the 90s. Do you think when you're like 80 years old, you'll still be upset about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'll still be upset about the Super Bowl. Even if the Falcons win like four Super Bowls by the time I die, With or before Ritter. I die, I'll still go back, you know, we should have five. Yeah. I don't know what that says about you. I think just passionate. I'm passionate. I always want more, um, particularly from the, the this Braves organization. Never satisfied. No, like the way that Alex Anthopoulos has set this up is like, it's such a dream scenario dynasty should be our middle name so that's interesting it would like you know 90s happen i know you think you remember everything about them but not to this extent right no like obviously you didn't have a weekly atlanta sports podcast back in the 90s but like this is like being in the middle of it you know we have one world series yes we are set up for success for multiple years right and it would be super disappointing 
if we don't win any except that one. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. And like, like we are literally in the middle of that right now. Like we're in window. I think we won before we expected to, right? Yes. So now we're in like 93, 94 right now. Maybe. Because. We, oh, yeah. The Braves won when they should have. Yeah. Right. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So like you know, our window, we'll say 2021 uh, was mm-hmm. 1991. Okay. So that's when it started. All right. So we're not even at the middle of it. We're at the beginning. We're of at it. the beginning of it, which is okay. I, I like where your head's at there. Yeah. And, then, and that's so we got thing. ten years. Right. And that's another thing too. About and if we only win one, that's terrible. It, it sucks. But I will say this: even the Braves teams that didn't win at all, there were still multiple teams in the in the nineties. You know, we won four National League titles. That's still you're still making you're doing damage in the playoffs. Like I just wanted to like I do want to win multiple championships, but I also want to do damage. I do not want to lose in the first round when you win a hundred games. That's every true. Year. Like, yeah, that's we, just infuriating. Like, yeah, this first round stuff, this is the end of that window. This is 2002, two, 2003, right. 2004, 2005, 2006. Well, we didn't go to the playoffs in 2006, but I get your point. Oh, yeah, we sucked in 2007. Yeah, um, and six. Sorry, 2005 was Baby Braves. That last, was Baby Braves. Last one. And that, and that was kind of like, was okay. That know. was the end. Right. But, anywho, one thing I am concerned about this year, Graham. Mm. Loss of leadership. I'm worried about losing Ron Washington. Ah, I was about to say players. Like, we don't want really to lose anybody. Even Eric Young, Young Sr. Okay. Like, I know we've replaced uh, Ron Washington with Tuiaso Sopo. Right. Who was the Gwinnett Braves manager, longtime player for them. Yeah, former Braves player, too. Yeah. 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 So, and like, no one, like, of course, people only have good things to say about them. That's how mm-hmm. these things work. But obviously, he does not have the experience that Ron Washington no, has now. Now, fortunately, we still have well, Snit. We still have Walt Weiss. Right. We still have Cranny. Right. So that's great. But Ensitzer. So it's not like we lost our pitching or hitting coach. No. But still, like that's a lot of experience in the clubhouse. Yeah, and the fielding side of things. So I am, you know, I think that's that's a concern. It's a little bit concerned, but I think that, I mean, you think about the uh, the infielders, right, that have been around Ron Washington, like Albies and Riley, in particular, that have been around Ron Washington for a long time, longer than anyone else in the infield. And I think the way that Wash had them do things is instilled in them. And I'm not really concerned about him leaving, and then that that sort of M.O. fading. But he could have been a big part of the culture. Yeah, no doubt he was. But, you know, you've got to find a way to overcome that. But I agree, it is a bit of a concern. I'm not... One thing I won't miss is Ron Washington being over-aggressive as a third-base coach, although that simmered down the last couple of years, which I appreciated. Um, But, yeah, you're right. It's, It's a big loss, especially fundamentally. So you just hope that what he has imparted on the players remains... But in terms of the everyday presence, you're right. That is a big hole to fill. And who knows how they're going to do it. I don't know. As a fan, there's nothing more exciting than Ron Washington like doing a ridiculous send that you're like 100% sure is not going to work and out. It works out. And then it works out. And then he just stands there with his arms crossed, cold-blooded. Right. You know, like, That's I tough did, to beat. Yeah. It's like, I did that. <laughs> that brings a that smile happen. to my face. Yeah. He will be missed. I'm sure he is missed down there right now. Um that's really it for the Braves. I guess we got to talk some Hawks. And uh, I don't know, Adam. The Hawks don't look good right now. 
they're down 34 to 16 at the end of the first quarter against the Nets. Oh, no. Um, but it's been interesting watching this team without Trey. I went to the game on Sunday against Orlando where the Hawks won pretty handily. By the way, it's something like close to 20 points, 20 point victory, if not 20 point victory. They destroyed the Jazz the other night. There's a caveat of the Jazz have been in a bit of a tailspin and the Magic were missing Paolo Bancaro, their best player. Um, but it's it's weird watching this Hawks team without Trey function. Like DeJounte is in full control of the team. He's the point guard. Almost had a triple-double in that Magic game. He looked great. Um, Jalen Johnson looked fantastic. He had like 21 points, 15 boards, like eight assists or something. He was flirting with a damn triple-double. And it was weird watching them coexist. Like they really coexisted well together. They collaborated well together. They had their specific roles. I think the, the problem with the Hawks team watching them with Trey and DeJounte on the, the floor at one, you know, at the same time, it's just like whoever has the ball is in control and the other guy's kind of almost useless. Yeah. But when it's the DeJounte and Jalen out there together as like sort of the one and two options, they really complement each other well. The Hawks play better defense. They force like four shot clock violations. They were holding the magic to like 40% shooting from the field. Um, again, like they didn't have the best player and that, that limited them. And we were getting beat up on the inside a little bit by Franz Wagner and uh, Mitchell Jr., Devin Mitchell Jr. But there's a Wendell. I can't remember his name, whoever their center is. Is it really Franz Wagner? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, really good. Uh, really good. German composer, I assume? Yeah, German composer is playing power forward for the Magic now. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, so you still you still had some issues like that, but overall, I was I liked seeing that that version of the Hawks. They kind of slowed it down. It was a lower scoring game. Um, and I mean, back to back games holding them under a hundred points that yeah. is unheard of. Unheard of. Like, like we said, We're, we give up one twenty five. Yeah, hope uh, to win. Hope to score one thirty. Right, but like we said, you know, Magic are missing their best player. The Jazz are in a bit of a tailspin. They lost like five of the last six. But it was encouraging to see the Hawks were playing. Really good defense in both those games. Obviously, that's not happening tonight against uh, Brooklyn, and you still shouldn't get your hopes up for anything. But it was like there was a different mentality from the team. There's more of a commitment to play defense. Uh, it's It's been interesting to watch, and I haven't watched any of the, the Brooklyn game, obviously, tonight, but even just a two-game sample size, like this is a totally different team without Trey. And it doesn't make you wonder, like, are the Hawks better without Trey? I'm not saying that, but in terms of do Trey and Ajante work together? I say no, definitively, after watching DeJounte play without Trey this year. Not just the last two games, but just over the course of the season when Trey's missed some time. Yeah, there was like a five-game stretch earlier as well. Yeah, like it was a game in January where we went down to Miami and beat the Heat, and DeJounte made this last-second shot to beat them. And it was, again, it was like a lower-scoring game. Better defense was played. It was like, it was just a weird, it was just like a completely alternative version of the Hawks where they actually like gave a shit about defense. It wasn't like the greatest defense in the world still, but it was better than what you get usually on a night-to-night basis. I think there's also just like there's got to be like a mindset where you have like a dynamic scorer like Trey Young on your team. The other players feel like second fiddle and don't feel like they need to step up like they do when they're shorthanded like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting to watch, and it's really like we get a 20-game sample size of what the team looks like without Trey. Like we don't care about this season. We know we're not going anywhere. But you get to see what we look like without him. We get to give – our first round pick, Kobe Bufkin, a look. Yeah, yeah. Who I think, you know, I think he could be a dynamic scorer. He, all reports are that like he, he has no problem like 
one-to-one defense, you know? Yeah, he looked good the game I was at. I was like, okay. I think he was like a plus seven mm-hmm. in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's great to hear. Like, on the year, like, with Trey and DeJounte on the court, they're like minus 118 or something. That's not good. No. No, it's not. That's not good. So, like, we get to see, are we better with Trey or are we better without Trey, but with the assets we would get from trading him? You know, yeah, I kind of see where your your head's at. With so, that. like, if we look competitive without Trey, like take that and add a first round pick plus probably a young player. You know, right? I'd like to see how they do against a really good team without Trey or multiple good teams without Trey. Well, sure, we we play someone good over the next twenty games. And yes, we will. But you know, tonight you're getting your ass kicked by Brooklyn, who sucks early, early. But you only scored sixteen points in the first quarter. Was this a high school game? Like, come on. Brooklyn does play decent defense, though, so maybe that's what's happening. Um, I was checking a lot of the player props today, and, like, a lot of the lines were really low, and, like, Jalen Johnson and DeJounte, I was like, why is it so low? And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, Brooklyn actually plays decent defense. So I guess that's what's happening tonight up there in Brooklyn. But my point being, you want to see – you're exactly right. You want to see how this team functions over 20-plus games without Trey. And then I think you've got to make the decision about what you do – with Trey and DeJounte in the offseason, you can't keep both of them. It just doesn't work. you got to get rid of at least one because together you're in the playing tournament. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I think this this is the most interesting thing that's happened to the Hawks all year, the fact that we do get to like the sample size to see what the future could look like. We get to see a young rookie play. I read an article. I'm sure it was on The Athletic because that's where I get all my sports news from it's now. the only website – for sports information for Adam. Yes. There's nowhere else he could possibly look. I'm gonna, I might have to break this Twitter ban at some point, like once the Braves start up. But I'm, I'm going to hold strong for a few more weeks anyways. Okay. But <laughs> it was a great article. They rarely write about the Hawks because we don't have a Hawks beat writer anymore because they're slashing salaries left and right because that's, that's the way things go nowadays. It's yep. startups, Graham. You know All what right. I'm saying? I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> but... Uh, they're talking about essentially how like Landry Fields and Kyle Korver so far have just been like two scared boys as GMs and have literally done nothing. Like good point, yeah. Like, they, they extended Dejounte, and that's about it. We've extended our own players, but like we've signed like Patty Mills, who was just cut, just like a bunch of old washed up veterans like at the trade deadline we did nothing which was so stupid and now we have zero depth bruno fernando who's been playing pretty well is our only center yeah that was like a trade last year well he's not our only center but he's our backup center now but capella's out capella's still playing i thought capella he's back capella's back okay capella's been playing since like last thursday or something sorry that wasn't mentioned on the athletic (laughs) (laughs) well yeah but the point is, like, zero depth. No. So that's why we yeah, have to yeah, play yeah, Wesley exactly Matthews. Right. Like, He's you know. playing so much now. Yeah. It's like, jeez. It's bad. Like, they're, they're scared to do anything because they don't know what to do. Because, I mean, it's like, I don't know what to do. I, do you know what to do? Yeah, I know what to God, do. brother, shut up. Exactly. Start you get rid of every <laughs> single piece that is tradable that isn't Jalen Johnson. You get rid of – and I'm not saying, like, Jalen Johnson's, like, your franchise cornerstone – he has been playing exceptional basketball recently, but you know you gotta get rid of Here's Trey. The, you gotta get rid of Dejounte. You gotta get rid of Bogdanovich. You gotta get rid of Capella. Like you gotta get rid of all those guys. Accrue draft picks. Accrue 
Just accrue draft picks. If you get draft stock it up. Sure. Here's the problem. You stock do, it you up. You don't want to blow it up because we have no draft picks for the next three years. That's why you got to trade guys to get those draft picks. But back. who who is going to want to take on good players? Well, I would tell you good this. Good teams. There's the thing that I'm pissed off about the most, and I think we talked a little bit about this last week or maybe the week before, is that you didn't trade Bogdanovich, who's a viable player who could help a contender for sure off the bench as a three-point specialist. You didn't trade Capella, who could help as a guy who gets a lot of rebounds. Those were guys you could trade and get something for. Waiting till the offseason to do anything of those guys is not going to increase their value, I don't think. In fairness, we don't know what was offered. Maybe they we were... Don't. Maybe it was dog shit. Yeah, But exactly. it's like, it's just so frustrating to just do nothing, hear nothing. We're just so... We have, there's no plan. There's no, we're no just so stuck saying, in the middle right now. Yeah, and it's the worst place to be as an NBA franchise. So let's hope Bufkin is like a stud yeah. with Jalen Johnson... Then one of DeJounte or Trey, trade the other, get a couple draft picks, a young guy, and then let's see what we got. Yeah. That's your best case scenario, I think. That's that's horrible if that's our best case scenario, but you're kind of I'm not saying you're wrong, but you might be right. Which is frustrating. Oh well, that's a life as a as a Hawks especially a Hawks fan. The Hawks, for anyone who's new to the podcast, are definitely the worst franchise. And in our city. I don't think they like need overall, to just be... Historically. I don't think they need to be new to the podcast to know that. Oh, no, the Falcons are pretty terrible historically. But the Falcons at least have won two NFC championships. You know how many Eastern Conference titles the Hawks have won? Zero. Yeah. So there you go. You know how relevant the Falcons have been in the last 20 years? You can at least say the Mike Vick era was relevant. Many Matt aspects Ryan, of the yeah. Matt Ryan era were even more relevant. Um and then the Dirty Bird. What do you got with the Hawks? You got Dominique, Dominique Wilkins era that very relevant. Yeah, but you still didn't get you still didn't get to the Eastern Conference. You didn't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals at that point. And you had the 2014-15 team, which was just team basketball, beautiful. And that only got to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you had the 2021 team that also went to the Eastern Conference Finals and was a Trey Young ankle injury away from maybe making the finals. Maybe That's all you got. You had three, like like two decent seasons. Like, really good seasons in the last 25 years for the Hawks, and then you had the Dominique era. And then you traded Dominique when Michael Jordan was retired, and we were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which was so stupid. At least we're not like the Wizards. Yeah. Like, what's the most relevant thing that happened to them? Like, they lost Javaris Crittenton brought a Javaris gun Crittenton. into the yeah. <laughs> locker room. Yeah. Oh, that was Gilbert Arenas. Or was that Gil? Maybe I think he pulled it on Javaris. Oh, okay, pulled on Javaris. Yeah. And then you had uh, the Wizards almost beat us in the Eastern. Oh yeah, well, they, they've almost beat us a lot. Yeah. So that's probably the most relevant thing yeah. for them. No, sure. I mean, the, you know, the Hornets suck every year. Like, you know, at least you're not the Hornets. Yeah, they blew it with Anthony Davis. They blew right. it with uh, who's the guy who's there that's fat now um, that we should trade for. You're talking about the Pelicans. Same team, right? No, the Hornets are back in Charlotte now. Oh, you're talking about that franchise, the franchise, the overall Charlotte okay. franchise. I was thinking of the city. Oh, sorry, I was talking about the Charlotte. So New Orleans basketball, Hornets. no good. New Orleans is pretty good this year. Are they? Yeah, I'm not up to up to speed. Yeah, they're pretty good. Got it. Yeah, Brandon Ingram's good. Zion's playing better. Charlotte. So the Bobcats, the Bobcats slash Hornets. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, they are terrible every um, year. Emeka Okafor, Emeka Okafor, Sean May, Sean May. Uh, who is who is the other? Who is the guy with the bangs from Gonzaga? Oh, Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison. Yeah, of course. It was like all of like the 
it was interesting. It was like all these like great college players would always go to the to the Bobcats, and they would never be any good in the NBA. I mean, Charlotte's just a loser city for sports, man. Like, there really is. They need to get rid of. I hope Cousin Chipper's listening. To this one. <laughs> I mean, look at what they did like with the number one pick last year. But in Bryce fa- Young. In fairness and to them, they traded. Wouldn't you want Bryce Young based not now but over any of the top three quarterbacks now? Not now, so. not now. I'm talking about at the time. Do you think that was they went for broke and now they're broke? That's fine. <laughs> I mean, they got a terrible uh, like you the think worst we, owner. You think we have a bad owner? Well, we, we have a good owner. We have a good owner in the sense that he's an asshole. They have a terrible owner. He is a he's the worst possible owner. He's like a new version of Dan Snyder without the sexual assault. Right. Supposedly, we don't know anything about David Tepper, but yeah, that, that's where they are. At least yeah. our owner is a benevolent man. He's a good, good guy, as far as we can tell. He just makes bad football decisions. Well, they have freaking Michael Jordan as the owner of that basketball team, and he's been terrible. Yeah, and now he's sold part of his uh, share. They don't even have a baseball team. They don't have a baseball. So team. we got Charlotte beat. We got Charlotte time. by the balls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's your episode of Atlanta Zone. We could ramble on about this all night. Charlotte. But we will uh, sign off and bid you farewell. Until next week, rise up for the A. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitomnacent. Hospitomnacent. Hospitomnacent.